So now if the children are going to Sunday school, would you like to leave now? And uh, if the rest of us please could turn our Bibles to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1, this is on page 210. Joshua chapter 1 and verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them. To the people of Israel. Every place that, that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, to the great sea going down to the sun, shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause these people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give to them. Only be strong. And very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Well, let's pray now. Lord God, we thank you for your precious word and we pray now that as we consider your word, you will speak to us and you will build up your children and any that don't yet know Christ, you'll bring them to yourself. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, today is the first Sunday when most of us, uh, when, when um, many of us who are in the church are able to reassemble for the new church year, as it were, after we've gone to various different places over the summer. And... Uh, so I thought it would be good for us to do something a bit different from um, the, the, the uh, series in 2 Corinthians, which I hope to return to uh, next week. It's also been, it's also a time of great change for our nation. Uh, we have, of course, seen uh, the death of our beloved Queen, Queen Elizabeth, uh, this week, and the accession of her son, King Charles III. 
And coincidentally, two days before, we also saw the appointment of a new Prime Minister. And there is in our country a great concern being expressed about inflation, and shortage of energy. There are concerns about the war in Ukraine and about whether this could spill over into a European or even a world war. There are concerns about the situation in Taiwan and whether uh, China might invade Taiwan, which might perhaps lead to war between China and the United States. And a number of us also at this time, who are part of this congregation, have quite significant personal challenges. Uh, some face major decisions about where to live. Some of our young people have started new schools. Others, other young people are just about to enter university. Uh, with huge challenges that that will bring as they leave home and they set up on their own uh, in university accommodation. Some among us have seemingly unrelenting health concerns with one health issue after another sort of seeming to sweep over them. Some of us struggle with issues of mental health, struggling with depression and anxiety and other matters. And all of us who are believers face never-ending battles with temptation and with Satan. And so I thought that this, this morning it might be helpful for us to consider this passage from Joshua chapter 1. Because Joshua faced enormous Challenges, challenges which make even the most hard-pressed of us here uh, look like we are facing virtually nothing in comparison with what Joshua had to face. He'd been called by God to take over the leadership of the people of God, succeeding Moses. And this was not an easy people to govern. This was a, a, a nation that was rebellious and difficult. Moses, on several occasions, expressed to God his deep frustration at how difficult it was for him to lead this people. And his task was to lead this people into the promised land. In so, in so doing, they would have to cross uh, the River Jordan, which was no mean thing because it was a, a significant river, a difficult river to cross. And then they would have to confront some very strong armies and take some very well-fortified cities. Now, Joshua knew what was coming to him because he had been one of those spies who'd been sent out 40 years earlier to look at the land. And he'd seen with his own eyes Jericho and these other great fortified cities. He'd seen with his own eyes these mighty soldiers that, that were like giants, 10 foot tall or thereabouts. He knew what he was going to have to face. And the prospect must have seemed almost overwhelming to him. Yet God speaks these words to Joshua, which are words of both command and also words of encouragement. And as we analyze what, what God says to Joshua in these, in these verses, I think we can we can subdivide it into two main halves. God's words of command, firstly, and God's words of encouragement, secondly. 
And under each of those two main headings, we can see four subheadings, four commands and four words of encouragement. Now, it's my prayer this morning that if you are a believer, the Lord will help you. I don't want to bash you over the head this morning. I want to encourage you. I want to help you. I want, to, I want you to, yes, there might be a challenge, maybe, in some of the things that are said, but my great desire is that if you belong to Christ, you will be encouraged and helped to trust God in these challenging times in which we live. And it's my prayer that if you are not yet a Christian, God will use what he's spoken to move you to come to Christ and to put your trust in God that you will uh, make him your protector, your saviour, your help, your refuge at this time of difficulty. So uh, we have then four commands and four encouragements. And so without any more ado, let me, let me move on to then to the, the four commands. And the first one is this. God says to Joshua that he is to enter into his inheritance. Look with me at verses 2 to 4. Well, we'll read from verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, and all the land of the Hittites, to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. God is saying, I've given you this great land. It's a very, very large area that is described there. And God says to, 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 to Joshua, it's yours. It belongs to you and it belongs to your fellow Israelites. I've given it to you. Now go and take possession of it. Claim it to be yours. Move in, as it were, to your inheritance. Don't shy away. Don't shrink back. But receive, God is saying to him, receive what I have given to you. What I have made available to you. Well, what's the equivalent for us? We are not um, standing at the edge of a physical river. We are not, as Christians, living under the new covenant. We are not uh, called to enter into a physical place. Not called to take possession of a particular land. So what's the equivalent for us? Well, the equivalent for us is that we are to go in to the salvation, the spiritual salvation that God has provided in Christ. Jesus has died in the place of sinners. He has been raised from the dead. He has purchased for all who will receive it, eternal life, forgiveness of sins, the knowledge of God, being set free from the power of, the ho of sin, the gift of the Holy Spirit, being part of the church, having a place in the new heavens and the new earth that will come into being when Jesus comes again, being delivered from the wrath of God, all these things, and much more besides, are freely offered to 
anybody and everybody who will come turning from their sins, who will forsake their old life and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. But what you have to do is you have to claim it. Just as Joshua had to go in and claim that land, so we have to go in and claim the salvation which God offers us in Christ. Now we had an example of this this week, didn't we? Her Majesty the Queen passed away. Her, her son and heir, Charles, he had to claim the inheritance. He had to make, there was this accession council meeting and he had to go to this accession council and he, he had to say, look, I am your, your king to be. I'm the one who is the rightful heir to the throne. And the accession council had to say, yes, that's right, you are the king. And then they said, long live, well, I didn't actually watch it, I don't know exactly what they said, but I'm pretty sure they said something like, we proclaim him to be the king, he is the king. But there had to be that, that claim that he made. Now, so you and I, we need to claim from God the, the right to become the children of God. To all those who, it says in, in John's gospel, to all, the, to all those who, who uh, believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. But you must believe in his name. You've got to put your trust in him. Um, we, we don't use checks very much these days, but you know, perhaps some of you might have, might have seen a check, I don't know. But... Uh, um, some, my, 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 sometimes my, my father would, would have to send a check to, to, to somebody via me, but he didn't know who to make out the check to. So he'd write a blank check, very dangerous thing to do. He'd write a blank check uh, and, 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 and not, sometimes not even put in the amount, but he said, put not exceeding <laughs> £100. And he'd, put this, he'd give this to me and I'd go off and the person would have to write his name in the check, on the check. And write the amount, and then he'd go to the bank and, and, and pay, the, pay that in. Now, what you have to do with God is you have to, as it were, write your name in the check. God says, I'm, I'm, I give to this person, whoever wishes to have this, I give to that person eternal life, forgiveness of sins, the right to go to heaven. But you have to put your name on that. And you have to say, it's me. It's true for me. I, I claim it for me. We must do that. You've got to enter into the inheritance. Now, I wonder if there's somebody here for whom this is particularly relevant. I wonder if there's somebody who has never done this. You've maybe been to church for many, many years. Maybe you, you're familiar with, with Christianity. You know the message of the gospel. You know that you're a sinner. You know that's what the Bible says about you. You know that if you're not saved, you'll go to hell. You know that. You know you need to be saved. You know that God has provided salvation through Jesus Christ, through his death on the cross, and through his resurrection from the dead, but you've never put your name there. You've never said it's mine. You've never said, yes, I believe. Jesus died for my sins. I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus. He's my saviour. You've never done that. So we need to watch out. Because we're warned that we don't turn away from this salvation. We don't refuse this salvation. In Hebrews, referring to, to the, the, an earlier time in, when, when, when the people of God had this, this chance to go into the promised land, the writer of Hebrews says, Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. Be careful that you don't, you don't turn away. You've got this great offer of salvation. But you say, No, no, thanks. I don't want it. 
Or perhaps you know about it and you just never do anything about it. Oh, one day I'll believe in Jesus. One day I'll become a Christian. But you never, that one day never comes. I'll, I'll do something about it. I'll, I'll do. But you never actually make that transaction with God. You never close with God. So hear this, this call. See what God is saying to, to Joshua. And if you're not yet a Christian, I urge you, close with God. Why don't you do that today? What's to stop you from coming to Jesus today? What's to stop you from asking Jesus to save you right now in this service? Right now, where you're sitting there. What's to stop you? What's against that? What have you got to lose? Oh, I might lose my friends. So what? I might lose my life. So what? What's that in comparison with going to hell? Come to Christ now. And, and make your peace with God. Let him be your saviour. Say, yes, Jesus is mine. But I wonder also if there's, uh, if there's another application that could be made to those of us who are already Christians. You see, sometimes you can be a Christian but not really enjoy your inheritance, not really believe your inheritance, not really act as though you are a Christian, not really think as though you are saved. Just imagine if, if, if Prince Charles, you know, if, 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 well, he sort of took the throne, maybe, but then he sort of, he carried on, he rove around in it like a, a 20-year-old banger. And he lived in, a, in some sort of run-down cottage somewhere. And he didn't move into the palace. And he, he just, you know, wore jeans and T-shirt where he went and just lived an ordinary life. He's the king, sort of, but he's not really realizing he's the king. And sometimes there are Christians who, they've asked Jesus to save them, yes. They've, they've, uh, they're definitely born again. You can tell they're born again. Yes, of course. You can see clear evidence of the grace of God in their lives. Yes, but always under this dreadful sense of birth. Oh, I, I'm so guilty and I'm so unworthy and I don't know if I'll ever go to heaven. And oh, I think God must be sort of really frowning upon me and. And always under this dreadful sense of a cloud and a sense of a burden. You're saved but not really enjoying your salvation. But God says, enter into your salvation. Go into the promised land. Cross the Jordan. Enjoy the blessings of, of Canaan. If you have come to Christ... You are a son of God, a daughter of God. You are justified. There is no condemnation for you. You cannot be separated from the love of God. He loves you with an everlasting love. He'll never let you go. Believe these things. Be strong in them. Be confident in your God. Don't allow the devil to put you under some dreadful sense of oppression. Oh, you're no use. Of course you're no use as a Christian. So is everybody who's a Christian. That's not an issue. The point is that you're a justified sinner. You're glorified in Christ. You're raised up with Christ. You're seated with him in the heavenly places. All that's going to happen when Jesus comes is that the glory that he's given to you is going to be revealed. The curtains will go back and they say, whoa! Is that who you are? A child of God, glorious! Wow! I never realised. But by faith, you need to say, we need all of us say to us, that's what I am in Christ. 
So let us enter into what we have in Christ. So enter into the inheritance. Now secondly, Joshua was to confront his enemies and drive them out. A few weeks before, Joshua will have heard uh, Moses say these words. And you might, might want to just look back to, De- to Deuteronomy chapter 7. Now, of course, we, we, we perhaps might forget that Deuteronomy was a summary of the law that Moses gave just before he died. So this will have only been a few weeks ago, maybe even just a few days ago, um, probably certainly not more than a few months. And uh, we read in Deuteronomy 7, verse 1, at the Lord, when the Lord your God brings you into the land that you are entering to take possession of it, and clears away many nations before you, the Hittites, the Girgazites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, seven nations more numerous and mightier than you. And when the Lord your God gives them over to you, and you defeat them, then you must devote them to complete destruction. You shall make no covenant with them, and show no mercy to them. You shall, you must not, inter, you shall not intermarry with them, giving your daughters to their sons, or taking their daughters from your sons. For they would turn away your sons from following me to serve other gods. Then the anger of the Lord would be kindled against you, and he would destroy you quickly. But thus you shall deal with them. You shall break down their altars and dash in pieces their pillars and chop down their ashen and burn their carved images in the fire. Joshua had to confront his enemies. He had to deal with his enemies really ruthlessly, really toughly. He had to annihilate them. Now, people have great problems with this, I know, and I'm not going to go into that whole issue now as to, but I would just simply say that what we must remember is this was a very, very, very wicked people. And, and, and the, the judgment they had was deserved. But they had to be utterly ruthless because if they were not ruthless with these enemies, these enemies would infiltrate them and they would bring their sins with them. Well, what's the equivalent for us? Who are our enemies? Of course, we don't have physical enemies. Paul says, doesn't he, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not that we go around killing people. No, no of course not. But what we are to, the enemy that we've got is twofold. It's the enemy of our own sin that is within us. And it's the enemy of the devil. And just as, as, as Joshua had to be utterly ruthless and give no space at all to these Canaanites who lived in the land, so we must give no space at all to the devil. And no space at all to sin in our lives. It would have been much easier, wouldn't it, for Joshua and his companions to just sort of quietly coexist with the Canaanites. You know, just to form a treaty with them. But if that had happened, well, of course, some, they did fail. In, in, in many ways and that's what did subsequently did happen with some of the tribes and you can see the trouble that followed from that but God said to Joshua no you mustn't do that you've got to be absolutely uncompromising and so we must be the same uh, we must fight the devil and overcome him so there's the second thing. God says to Joshua that he is to fight his enemies and to overcome them, and we must do the same. The third thing follows on from that. 
God says that he is to, that Joshua is to be strong and very courageous. Verse 6, he says to him, coming back to Joshua chapter 1, Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Be strong and very courageous. Also, verse 9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do, Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. It must have been really pretty petrifying for Joshua and his companions as they faced these mighty armies of the Canaanites. They were very well armed. They were very strong. They had had huge fortified cities. It must have been very, very tempting for Joshua to to really quake in his boots But God says to him, no, you must not be afraid. You must not allow yourself to be afraid. You must be courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. Now, we don't have physical enemies, but... but in, in, the way, in the sense that the Israelites did, but we have, there are many things which we are tempted to be frightened about, aren't we? We're tempted to be frightened about the future. Tempted to be frightened about our health worries. Tempted to be worried perhaps about family members we're concerned for. About finances. Worried about loneliness. Worried about rejection. Worried about persecution. Worried perhaps about social unrest taking place in our country. But the same word that God said to Joshua applies to us. Be strong. Be courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. That is what the Lord is saying to you and that is what the Lord is saying to me. And this is not just here in the Old Testament says this. In, it, Jesus said to his disciples, as recorded in John chapter 14, verse 1, he said, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. He also said in chapter 14 and verse 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, not as the world gives do I give you, let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. You must not allow yourself to be frightened. You must allow yourself to be anxious. Now, you know, we, we, we realize, don't we, I'm not allowed to steal. I'm not going to allow myself to steal. You can't steal if you're a Christian. I'm not going to allow myself to to be sexually immoral. You can't do that. I'm not going to allow myself to lie. You can't allow yourself to do these things. Well, here's another thing. Don't allow yourself to be fearful. Don't allow yourself to be anxious. I wonder if we actually tolerate anxiety and fear and we excuse that for ourselves, where we wouldn't tolerate other things. You know, we, we, we say, well, I, of course I shouldn't do these other things. Well, hang on, Jesus said, do not let yourself, don't let yourself be afraid. But he said, I can't stop myself. But God has promised, hasn't he, in his word, no temptation has come upon you except what is common to man. But with every temptation, he'll provide a way out so that you can escape. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. He says that, doesn't he? There is a way out. There are means that he gives to us 
to help us to fulfill what he tells us to do. And that is, of course, his promises, which we'll be thinking about in a moment. And what we have to do is to, when we're tempted to get into this fear, this anxiety, this stress, this concern, to look to the Lord. Think on him. Think on his promises. Do you remember Jesus, sorry, Peter, when he was walking on the water? At first, he managed to walk fine. He was looking at Jesus. But then he looked, he took his eyes off Jesus, and he started to see all the wind and the, the waves and all the rest of it, and he started to panic. Ah! He started to sink. And we need to be, as Peter was at first, looking at Jesus. Not focusing so much on the problems, the worries, the concerns. Looking to Jesus. So that we do not allow ourselves to get anxious. And then the fourth thing which God says to Joshua is that he is to obey his commands. Look at verse 7. I'll read from the beginning again. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. It's not wrong to be careful to do the right thing. Sometimes people say, you know, about those who've got scruples of conscience and they're really worried, oh, should I do this on the Lord's Day or should I not do that on the Lord's Day or should I, should I do this or should I do that? And they say, oh, you're being a legalist. No, no. You're obeying the scriptures because you're trying to be very careful, trying to make sure that you don't sin, trying to make sure that you do the right thing before God. That's a good thing. Legalism is where you think you're justified by doing the right thing. No, that, that's completely wrong. But being careful to do what is right, that is what the scripture commends, not only here but in many other places. Be careful. Watch out. Watch out that you don't inadvertently sin, let alone deliberately sin. You might accidentally sin. You might land up exaggerating or getting wrongly angry or being rude to somebody or saying something silly out of turn. Without you to even think about it. Be careful. Be careful. And, and he, he tells, says to Joshua what he's to do to help him to do that. He needs to be familiar with, with the law of God. This book of the law shall not, shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night. So that you may be careful to do what, all, according to what is written in it. Know your Bible. Know the law of God and know what, know what God is telling you to do. Be wise. Be instructed. And think over it. Think over the application. How it has to apply to you. Remember God's word in different situations. You say, ah, but this is the Old Testament. We're not under the law anymore. Well, hang on a moment. What did Jesus say? Didn't he say, not till heaven or earth pass away, not a jot or tittle will of the law will be, will be put away till everything is fulfilled? But surely as Christians, we're called to love God. Of course we are. And it's love that should motivate everything that we do. But love is instructed by the law. You want the law is the, is the expression of the desire, the moral desires of God. That's what it is. So, 
So it's what God would have us to do. So surely if you love God, you will want to keep his law. You'll want to do what is right and in line with his law. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Paul writes, Romans 13 verse 8, Owe no man anything except to love each other, for the one who loves has fulfilled the law. John writes, 1 John 5, Everyone who believes that Jesus the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of God. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. We do this not to get a place in heaven, because we have a, but because we have a place in heaven. And we seek to obey God. So here are these four things that God tells Joshua to do and he tells us to do. Enter into your inheritance. Confront your enemies. Do not give way to fear. And obey his commandments. Well, let me just much more briefly just outline for you the promises that there are in in this passage God promises first of all to him that he will give to him everything that is promised let's look at verse 3 again every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon I have given to you just as I promised Moses from the wilderness and this Lebanon as far as the great river the, great, the river Euphrates all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. God promises that all that he's promised, the whole land, will be given to Jeremiah, to, to Joshua if he will go in and to claim it. And God promises to you and he promises to me every spiritual blessing that is in Christ, all the blessings of God, Will be promised, will be given to you if you will come and if you will believe in Him. Secondly, no enemy will be able to stand against Him. Verse 5 No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. God's promise to us. His promise to you, his promise to me, is that if you and I stand against our spiritual enemies, our enemies will be routed. James 4, 7. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. 1 Peter 5, verse 8. Be sober-minded and watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in your faith. And he'll be gone. Stand. You know, sometimes people say, oh, you don't do deliverance ministry at Poplar Baptist Church. <laughs> of course we do deliverance ministry. But it's not deliverance ministry through having somebody come up to the front and pray some long convoluted prayer over you and lay hands on you and you scream and shout and fall on the floor and everything else. No! We do deliverance ministry through the gospel. You come to Christ. You believe on Christ. You believe the promises of God in Christ. And you're delivered from the power of Satan. He cannot touch you. You stand in his word and he will flee. He promises, thirdly, the presence of God. Verse 5. No man shall be able to stand against before you all the days of your life, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you, nor forsake you. 
and verse 9. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. God with you. If God is with you, who can stand against you? Who, who, what can anybody do to you? God. Almighty God. You know, what's that saying? One person plus God is a majority. Yeah. Because God outweighs everything and everybody else. You don't need to be afraid if God is with you. Yes, you might lose your possessions, you might lose your health, you might lose your family. Your life might be taken from you. But God is with you. Nothing will separate you from his love. You're safe in him. And this promise comes through to the New Testament as well, doesn't it? Jesus said, and lo, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Matthew 28, verse 20. Hebrews 13, verse 5. Keep your free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? You're safe. Because God is with you. And fourthly, success. Verse 9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Sorry, verse, verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous. Then you will have good success. Now, for Joshua, of course, that meant his enemies would be killed. He'd go into the promised land. They'd have healing for all of their diseases. They'd have abundant crops. This is the, the prosperity that they would experience would be a physical prosperity. That's the way the Old Testament dispensation worked. For us, we might be poor physically. We might suffer illness. But the promise is that if we do what this is telling us to do, if we enter into our inheritance, if we do not give way to fear, if we confront our enemies, if we obey God's law, we will have a spiritual success. Spiritual prosperity. You might not be materially prosperous, but you will be spiritually prosperous. You will know the blessing of God. You will know the peace of God. Success for a Christian might mean being racked with pain on a bed for many years, but still trusting in the Lord, still rejoicing in his or her saviour. That's success, that's triumph, that's victory. And if you follow what is being talked about here, you will prosper spiritually. You will do well spiritually. That is, that is what the scripture says. You will know the love of God. You will overcome that temptation to give up. And you will have a fruitful and abundant welcome into eternal habitations. You might die with not a penny to your name. But you will have a rich welcome into glory. You might live a very solitary life. You might not have many friends. Not, you might be on your own humanly. But the Lord will be with you. And the Lord will welcome you on that day. And he'll say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. And that will be worth everything. To hear those words of commendation, you'll say, oh, 
It was worth it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. You took me through those difficulties. But I'm grateful to have heard those words from your lips means everything to me. That's what you'll say on that day. And you won't regret, you won't regret what you went through in this life. You'll say, thank you that you arranged my life so well that I could have that reward from you on that final day. So be encouraged. Be strong. Don't let the devil throw you around. Don't let him, you know, he does these wrestling moves, doesn't he? Boom, on the floor. Then you get up, boom, on the floor. And you get up, oh, boom. Well, you've know, seen those wrestling matches where they just throw you around. And sometimes you, you, perhaps you might feel a bit thrown around. But don't let him do it to you. Be strong in the Lord. So let me just remind you of these points. Four things God tells Joshua and tells us to do. Number one, enter your inheritance by faith. Two, confront your spiritual enemies. Three, do not be afraid. Four, obey God. And what he promises if you do these things. Number one, he will give you everything he's promised. Every spiritual blessing in Christ. Number two, your enemies will be defeated. Number three, you will know the presence of God. And number four, you'll be spiritually prosperous. So be encouraged. Yes, we, might, we don't know what's going to come to us, do we? We don't know what's going to happen. But the Lord is with us. And he'll keep us safe. And he'll keep you safe if you trust in him. Well, let's, um, let's take our hymn books and find uh, We Trust in You, Our Shield and Our Defender. Seven six nine.